I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where you gotta nuke something. I'm your host, Ass Butt Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? My ears are packed with gauze, Henry Gilbert. Who else is here? And I'm your uh, favorite big sister, Matt Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> and today's episode is Lisa's Date with Density. Well, it was like that when I got here, it really was. <laughs> uh, today's episode aired on December 15th, 1996. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my God. Oh boy, Bobby. Jerry Maguire is showing people the money mm. at the top of the box office. The TV series Dallas returns with the TV movie Dallas, JR Returns. <laughs> From the dead? <laughs> Uh, he got shot in the last episode of it, but I guess... Oh, wait, he survived that. Yes, okay. yeah. Guns were weaker in the 80s. And uh, parents are battling it out for Tickle Me Elmo's in stores everywhere. Oh, boy, soon to be parodied as uh, Funzo, correct? Yes, on this, yeah. uh, on this very program. And also a Tickle Me Krusty, which was like, uh, hey, yeah. kid, don't put, touch that. Yes, those are... Uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, at the time, watching uh, internet videos of those being set on fire and crushed. <laughs> and you could see just the horrible Terminator exoskeleton underneath the Elmo fur. Oh, yeah, I've it seen that. The picture of that, the skeleton of the Elmo is very terrifying. Yes. <laughs> how, how long ago was Dallas? Like, it's coming back for a TV movie because it feels like the Simpsons, when the Simpsons covered it in uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns, it was like, oh, yeah, that must be a show from 20 years ago when yeah. I was thinking when I was a kid. It, it ran surprisingly long. I'm looking it up now, and I believe it ran until 1991 because um, it started in 78. Yes, it ended in 1991. And wow. I, just five years? They yeah. to bring it back. I can't believe it. Like, I just associate this with the, with the mid 80s. I, I was not aware that it was on this long until we did that Who Shot Mr. Burns uh, mm-hmm. research. So yeah, <laughs> Dallas. They, they brought back Dallas again a few years ago and Larry Hagman's passing, I believe, ended the return of that Dallas, but <laughs> they got everybody else they could too. I, I've never watched a second of Dallas that wasn't for research for this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one cared about the 2012 reboot, so I think uh, Dallas Fever is over. And meanwhile, Jeremy Maguire, that was a big-ass deal at the time. I think they're still like, I think it still has some touchstone in it. I just watched a review for a really bad pro wrestler movie that the villain in it was Jonathan Lipnicki. Whoa. Oh, wow. Because yeah. he's like yoked now, right? Yeah. He's, he's in better shape, yeah. And he, he's, Does he, he still have a giant head? It's not, I guess it's a bigger than average okay. adult head. More, more than eight pounds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise seemingly has not aged a day since that movie. But uh, I don't know if they did this again, but uh, whatever that single was for this movie, the, the Secret Garden. Yeah. Uh, that was the first time I ever heard on the radio uh, movie clips edited into a song from the movie. Mm-hmm. Every time it played, you had to hear You Had Me at Hello. Yeah. Over and over again. A, a lot of that. And I don't even... Did, what, what's the catchphrase from this movie? You need the money or give uh, me the show money? Show me the money. Show me the show money. Me the yeah. money. <laughs> it's so memorable. That's that's why I remember it to this day. Let's talk to our special guest, Matt Burnett. Matt, Yay. you are a Cartoon Network hotshot. We, we are in LA right now, which is why the room tone is a little different. But uh, Matt, can you talk about... Uh, what you have made, what you do, who you are. I am a co-creator currently and a showrunner of Cartoon Network's Craig of the Creek. Yay. Excellent um, show, by the way. You, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it premiered earlier uh, this year. And prior to that, I spent uh, basically like five years working with Rebecca Sugar on Steven Universe. I was uh, 
the writer. I should say I co-created Craig and worked on Steven with my uh, writing partner, Ben Levin. And uh, the two of us uh, have been doing cartoons for uh, over 10 years now. We started wow. back when we were living in New York and we were independently animating out of our apartments in Queens. And we did this, uh, we did these shorts that we put on YouTube called uh, on All Under the Umbrella of Ronan Dojo Community College DX about just a bunch of <laughs> LARPing nerds. Nice. And um, yeah, and they, we, we, we rode that train all the way out to Hollywood. And now we're, <laughs> yeah, on basic cable television. <laughs> well, yeah, I uh, I was going to mention the Steven Universe thing. I think it was in the, the art book that came out. Rebecca mentioned that uh, you and Ben got paired with her via, via Cartoon Network. But she'd already known you before in like the, the Z, the, like the indie comic scene, she, right? She had known Ben a little bit. Ben had done a, a short film while we were in college together that a professor at, we went to NYU, a professor at NYU was also teaching at SVA classes. And then he brought over Ben's film to SVA to say, check out this movie this guy made. And Rebecca was in that class. Uh. And she saw She, She, She's a Bombshell, which is this thing that Ben did uh, about kids in a car after a punk show. And Mm. she was just always in love with it. And then, like, down the line, we saw her short and her comic, you know, Don't Cry For Me. Yes. And um, Ben had exchanged emails with her. So we were all, we were, we were all in New York at the same time, but we were like just not in each other's orbits exactly. And then, yeah, we came out here separate and we were actually working at. Cartoon Network on uh, a live action show they did called Level Up. We worked mm-hmm. on for like a year and a half. And that was just how our names were in circulation there. And then mm-hmm. they, I think that they gave her a list of like, here are some writers that we work with that are okay. And she <laughs> recognized the names on there. It's like, oh yeah. I remember we had a meeting with her at the little deli that's across the street from Cartoon Network. And she just was like, here's this thing that I'm thinking about doing. And we were like, that's really cool. I hope you get to make it. And it mm-hmm. would be cool if we worked on it. And then, uh, yeah, like five years later, we uh, we did it. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, Craig of the Creek is a fair new show i believe it premiered in april of this year uh, yes i think april yeah april is we like rolled out on the app uh right. the cartoon network app on <laughs> end of february or march and then yeah april is when we dropped a bunch of episodes on television can you tell our listeners what the show is about in case they might have missed it i just uh it's available on the app you can watch it on the website too cartoonnetwork.com so it's very available to watch i just watched a bunch of it over the the past few days to get ready for this and i was super impressed by it it's great oh thanks yeah well craig of the creek is a show about uh craig he's a kid who lives in sort of a northeast suburb that reflects the areas that Ben and I grew up in, where behind his house he's got the creek, which is this wooded area with a creek running through it, where kids go after school and on the weekends to just totally get away from the adult world and create a world all their own and where they make the rules and they're imagining these adventures they have. And he always is rolling around with his two best friends, uh, Kelsey and JP. And Kelsey is a young girl who's obsessed with YA fantasy and imagines herself (laughs) a knight in some kind of epic story. And JP is just kind of like a goofy kid in a hockey jersey who marches to the beat of his own drum. And the three of them just hang out in this creek and just have adventures with all the different kids in the neighborhood. And the show's really about like showing kids the ways that you can be creative and go out and explore the world around you. And it's a really grounded show. It takes place in reality, but it's showing uh, kids how, like, there's magic in the world around you. Yeah, if I could recommend one episode for our listeners to watch, uh, I would watch The Curse, which actually Henry recommended <laughs> to me. It's about the kids encountering teen goths and buying all of their fun goth stuff at face value. Yeah. Thinking they're actually yeah. witches. It's uh, a great episode. That's a, I love that episode. Uh, Kate Leth um, actually oh, cool. uh, wrote, wrote mm-hmm. the story with us on that one, and uh, that was awesome to get to do. And like, yeah, you know, the show's super focused on young kids, but we uh, still have an obsession with teens, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so we get them in there when we can, and we just love uh, also the interaction between older kids and the younger kids. Yeah, that's something I really like on the show, too. Uh, another favorite of mine was, uh, well, actually, the, uh, the ones that just aired at the time we were recording uh, was uh, Kelsey 
Jesse's quest because any interaction with the the nerds who lit or the <laughs> sorry the elders of the creek that is is funny to me because I didn't play uh, tabletop RPGs in a creek. We did it at like a Denny's that was friendly <laughs> and let us do it in a corner. But I I just like the idea that like I I was that type of teen playing that who would just like if some eleven year olds respected me, I'd be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> I, I really identify with those characters. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, those are those characters. Uh, Mark Barry and David are all lifted from. They're the Ronan Dojo Community College DX uh, kids that we did okay. in our old YouTube short. And we just uh, redesigned them and uh, made them curse less and put them on uh, <laughs> the show. Cleaned them on Cartoon Network. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the anime references, too, in it I do really like. Like, Well, like those guys, they have uh, a similar to End of Evangelion poster behind mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also in the the one with the book uh, that they were searching yeah, for. Yeah, the final book. Yeah. yeah, the final book was, I love first that you were putting the Hardy Boys on blast of just saying, like, <laughs> it's always the first guy they met. <laughs> and then second... The uh, the one kid who's like I read manga I don't read I don't read <laughs> that that is me by books. the way. Um, so I wanted to ask you about this episode. Why did you choose it? Is it because it has anything to do with the fact that your series is also very kid focused? I feel like if you took Homer out of this episode, it would just be the kids. Yeah, and I I love uh, yeah. It's an episode where it's different. Like a lot of the 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 episodes in this Oakley Weinstein run are just like, they really treated The Simpsons more like a medium yeah. than a genre. And they were just like, whatever we want to do with it, we're going to do with it. And it's one of these like episodes that's grounded. I mean, they talk about it on the commentary where like, this is an episode where everyone acts like a real human being from start to finish, largely. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, just getting to see the kids interact with each other and be kids is uh, a lot of fun. Like another one of my favorite episodes is Seymour uh, Skinner's Sweet Badass Song and like getting to see Bart so much and stuff. And Homer tends to to take over the show sometimes but it's just so nice to see these characters and lisa too is a favorite character of mine a lot of my favorite episodes involve her and she's such you know she's such an emotional maturity but then she's so funny too and when they let her be a kid to undercut that and remind you that she's just a kid it's <laughs> mm-hmm. great as a professional animator i'm guessing simpsons was an early influence for you as well right actually not so much because yeah. i come from one of those households where uh, my mom like anything fox was like uh, oh, forbidden. No. I remember, uh, like in uh, in Living Color was on, and everyone was doing Fire Marshal Bill bits uh-huh. at school, and I uh-huh. couldn't do it. And one time, I caught it on like the black and white handheld like oh, no. TV, oh, wow. and I was like, I watched like a couple minutes of it, and like I had so not been exposed to that kind of comedy that I felt bad watching it. And I turned it off, like I self censored myself. Feel dirty. And The Simpsons was another one of those things where it was like I remember really everyone at school. It was like Simpsons mania. Everyone had those T shirts, and I was just like, I want to watch this thing. And my parents were like. Absolutely not. No way. This is filth. I couldn't watch Ren and Stimpy. And oh, still no. never watched Ren and Stimpy. Probably won't go back to watch Ren and Stimpy now. <laughs> there are right. reasons, yes. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was very late to getting on the Simpsons train. I By the time my youngest brother was born, my parents had given up. And then I got to watch it a little bit in high school, but I was sort of interested in other things. And then really it was in college when someone like you had recorded <laughs> a bunch of the episodes on VHS uh, and dragged uh, them. Uh, to college and I got we started watching them late at night and I was like oh cool and then once the DVDs came out that's when I really started just like methodically going through it over and over and over again and it, it is like it is such like a part of the Rosetta Stone of uh, sort of my comedy and, and, and <laughs> what I'm trying to 
do an animation. So it has become such a huge part of my life. But for a while, it was just this like distant thing that just like was like, oh, this is filthy. I can't watch this. And then you watch it now and you're just like, oh, this is all this is all very, I don't very know, fine. I don't know if any of our guests have had an origin story like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. just discovering it, at, like starting it that late, like in your late teens. So that, mm-hmm. that's pretty interesting. Is it different to watch it now that you've been, especially now that you've been a showrunner, is it different to look at it as like the view as a creator as opposed to just a viewer? Yeah. Uh, revisiting this episode, I haven't watched the show recently. I haven't probably sat down to watch it since I started running Craig and watching it this time around. It's like such boring minor like obsessive showrunner stuff but they're, they're like things i would see in there where i would just be like oh no one sent that back to korea for a retake like uh, <laughs> there's like a very slight continuity error in these like one or two shots like no one sent that back to be like could we get the shadow of the h on the honda on this shot because it's not here and it's in the next and i'm just like what wait no no one matters i went t- 35 years not <laughs> noticing this or however long it's been since the episode was made but like yeah why would you not that kind of stuff doesn't matter but there's a part of your my brain now that's like really hard to turn off see where I'm just every like, mistake yeah it's yeah. like it's a bad version of like the matrix like, I just <laughs> see everything uh, the whole world is terrible oh you know actually I had one last Craig of the Creek question before we get in the episode which is another thing I love about it as I got farther in the episodes I am a podcast addict and I'm hearing all these voices I recognize yeah. from podcasts especially uh, the big ones for me were the wild horses the improv troupe oh yeah uh, hearing them on there and also like Jess McKenna was another one that yeah. was like whoa like what was uh is there a reasoning for that casting i mean like- i just love i love all of those uh people from all their appearances on all the earwolf shows and everything else and they're they're also amazing and it's crazy that like you get this tv show and you're like maybe this person would do it and they're like mm-hmm. yeah of course i would do it it's a job and uh, <laughs> yeah. this is my job i'm an actor so well, yeah i'll do your show and it's great and it's always been nice to hear when you bring people in and they they respond positively to the material uh it, it always feels good for us and it's exciting that you know you get people who are invested in it. Some of the other people we've had on that like are big fans of it, like John Gabris, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah, he's great. uh Paintball Benny, and <laughs> um the goth and the, the goth girls are uh Karen and Georgia from My Favorite Murder, which was like oh. our whole a uh, wing of our design uh department was obsessed with that podcast for a while. And then when they were working, they would just put it on out loud and they would all just be sitting in a row in the office just listening to horrible murders be uh, <laughs> snarked about. And then um yeah, we were able to bring them in and they were they were down for it and it was it was awesome it was so cool and they yeah so that was really awesome i i love all the wild horses play the horse girls and and they all look kind of like themselves too which i also it was such a like it was such a like i think i don't want to do this this seems so on the nose like it's such a goofy thing that like is that they're gonna think this is corny but no they've totally gone for it and it's been it's been so awesome and you'll be seeing more of i guess everybody so yeah so this episode gets started with vandalism yes yeah well oh wait yeah this is a mike scully one oh Oh, yeah, yeah. And the feel I got in this episode watching it is like, I know that Oakley and Weinstein were as involved as they were on any of the rest of the season, but to me, this does feel a bit. In my memory, I thought this was a season nine one because it's written by Scully, but it also feels like a show ran episode by Scully with yeah. focus on the kids. Uh, Homer is uh, a little jerk ass in this, <laughs> if I may use the term. And and uh, yeah, it's it's just a little meaner of an episode, too. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, Scully was possibly the only dad on the staff at this time. And a lot of his episodes to this point have been Bart and Lisa focused, not yeah. so much focused on the adults. 
Yeah, and also that uh, when you get more Lisa stuff, you definitely feel like he's using his dad background and saying like, well, my daughter does this or my daughter did X, Y, or Z. You get cute stuff in there that uh, I think sometimes in seasons 9 through 12, they sometimes went, I think, too far into the cute zone, but I think we're in a good cute zone here. Yeah, yeah, it works. But, uh, oh yes, vandalism. (laughs) You know, I used to think a car was just a way of getting from point A to point B, and on weekends, point C. But that was the old me. That man died the moment I laid eyes on the 1979 Honda Accord. I've always admired car owners, and I hope to be one myself as soon as I finish paying off Mother. She insists I pay her retroactively for the food I ate as a child. Yeah, yeah, uh, Unfortunate. Well, Seymour, I make superintendent money, which amply covers both food and car. I holy jumping Caesar's catfish! My H has been stolen. Now oh, that's how people know it's a Honda. What's the point of having a Honda if you can't show it off, uh, sir? If you'll just stop yelling at me, I'm sure I can find a replacement. So I think the the specificity of a 1979 Honda is meaningful, but I feel like Hondas have gotten much cooler mm-hmm. in the past 22 years since this episode has aired. I think so. I mean, they were popular then, or well, at least with my family. I have quite a Honda background with my family. <laughs> the, my dad drove an Accord as long as I've been alive. Uh, that was the family car, and then like, and then when my first car was inheriting that Accord, and then uh, the first car I owned and the last car I owned because I stopped driving 12 years ago. <laughs> Uh, when I moved to the Bay Area, was the Honda Civic. Were I to ever buy another car, it would probably be a Honda, just because I am. I hate driving, and I'm not. I don't understand car culture, but I am. I am very loyal to Honda as a brand. And you'd be ready for street racing if the mm-hmm. well, yeah, it, chance the, occurred. The the Accord ended up being big in the '70s, or at least uh, getting a foothold in the '70s because it was one of the most like economical gas mileage cars at the time during the big oil crisis. All I can tell you from my research, '79. Accord is from the first generation design of the Accord, and the second generation would come just two years later with the 1981 model. He is very happy about his 17-year-old car. <laughs> the uh, the jacking the uh, the hood ornament off of the car reminds me of when I was a kid growing up, uh, my mom only had Volkswagen Vanagons, and <laughs> someone in our neighborhood had taken the VW logo oh. off of the Vanagon, and my mom <laughs> held the Beastie Boys personally responsible for it because they were way the necklace is with the VW uh, emblem on the chain, and my oh, mom was right. like, "It was the Beastie Boys." And uh, <laughs> later, in when I was in high school, I went to a show, and uh, I grew up outside of Philly, and I went to a small show there that was like an ad rock side project. And after the show, he was out there loading up the van, and I went up and I met him, and I shook his hand, and I went home and I told my mom, I was like, "I met Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys," and she was like, "Did you ask him <laughs> where the VW emblem is?" And I was like, "What? Wow, celebrities? So, I don't know. She's got a real, real grudge." I'd feel, I'd feel honored if. Celebrities like vandalize anything. Yeah, of mine, to be it really honest. was my weirdo neighbor. But <laughs> <laughs> wow, I feel so innocent that I never thought of like, oh yeah, when guys had like the Beastie Boys had hood ornaments hanging from their neck, it was proof that they stole it. I yeah, they didn't buy their own. They didn't buy their car. And <laughs> I'm then so say, innocent. They went to a dealership and paid money for the uh, <laughs> for the hood ornament. I was a good kid. I didn't <laughs> steal hood ornaments. Never would even thought of it. I uh, saw when doing research for this, I found a video of like on the 2016 Rolls Royce, if someone touches the hood ornament, it falls down into like it zips down into the hood. Like, Boy, so you can't take it. It's the Batman technology <laughs> at work, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Just like Michael Keaton Batman had. Right before this, I love Chalmers realizing like he can almost give Skinner a heart attack just by saying his name at this point. And he's kind of cruelly torturing, <laughs> torturing him. And I like Skinner's the acting on, Skin, uh, on Chalmers' reaction to hearing Skinner just nonchalantly say such a horrible life yeah, situation. Yeah, <laughs> yes, well, you've, I, we've all been in situations like that where like, well, that's not normal, but it's not really my place to say <laughs> let's, that. Yeah, let's, I, I don't want to make you feel worse about it. You're already <laughs> yeah. clearly at the bottom of the barrel. Let's just gloss over this. <laughs> when they go to take the thing off Kearney's car, the new H, it's a Hyundai, which... I learned is a Hyundai like Sunday is how it is pronounced because I'd always said Hyundai as well. But when I worked at a website at Comic Con, they did a tie in promotional program that Hyundai sponsored with The Walking Dead. And we were all saying, like, oh, Hyundai, Hyundai. When we got there and the reps were there, they're like, mm-hmm. It's Hyundai like Sunday, not Hyundai like Sunday. Okay, mm. so <laughs> I, I think it's it should be Hyundai based yeah. on the Japanese pronunciation, but th- I don't think they like the whole die thing in there. Yeah, it's it's not great yeah. advertising to say die. You don't want to think of Huns dying. <laughs> it's very it's very sad. But that's a tip for you folks out there. If you're still saying Hyundai, it's Hun. I got it from their profe- the people who work there. Hyundai like Sunday. I'll always think of that with The Walking Dead and uh, Petco Park. And how many free cars did you get out of this deal? <laughs> oh, oh, certainly none. <laughs> but I still had to sell out anyway. Um, well, actually, hey, on the subject of San Diego, Matt, you you have worked at San Diego Comic-Con. You've done panels and stuff, right? Uh, I haven't been on a panel yet. I've been in the audience. Uh, I'm going to be on a panel this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, talking about Craig. And yeah, Ian, uh, James Cordy, is going to... Host it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You would have just heard him and Toby Jones on last week's yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. We were texting about it. <laughs> Cartoon Network <laughs> is taking over. <laughs> Are you excited for that? Have you done a panel before? I've done a panel. I've done panels before, but much smaller. And yeah, uh, I've been to the Steven panels, and those are always pretty, pretty, really cool to, to go to. It's, it's oh, yeah. really like working cartoons. It's really fun to do it, but like, you know, no, it's not a live thing. Like, you never, you see people. People tweet things at you, but you don't really know how people are receiving it. But to be in a room sometimes, and they always like screen clips and stuff, and uh, to be in a room, and even when it's something people have seen before and they're reacting to it, it's such like a charge to like see people live react to something you made. It's so fun. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for, for Comic-Con this year. So then we get to the 7-Eleven and... Uh, 7-Eleven? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we've been going to 7-Eleven all week. Every day, like, every, yeah, day. every they, day. They know it's, us by name now. Uh, the Quickie Mart. <laughs> and Homer taking advantage of the self-service pretty good, which I feel like Apu better Apu better have charged him for opening, opening all those all things them, to yeah. put them on the, on the donut. You know, I think Homer also presaged the... Um, Voodoo Donut. Yeah, Voodoo Donut yeah. and all the imitators who are just like, yeah, here's just a strip of bacon on a donut. <laughs> I want, so I want our listeners to weigh in. If you've been to Portland, I feel Voodoo is more of an experience than uh, a delicious treat. You could just say you stood in that long line and got a weird donut. I think <laughs> Blue Star is the superior Portland donut. I go to Portland twice a year. Mm-hmm. Weigh in in the comments. Is it Blue Star or Voodoo? <laughs> I want to know. I see too many people at the airport with those pink boxes. Homer then finds the the now apparently crime-ridden alley next to the <laughs> Quickie Mart. And uh, he happens upon his B story. And looks like we put the kibosh on another two-bit telephone, swindle boys. Frankly, I would have expected better from Jimmy the Scumbag. <laughs> Hey, what's this thing? Huh? Ah, that's an auto-dialer. This bird was using it to pull a telemarketing scam. But instead, he's gonna rot in the slammer for the next 20 years. 
Bread and water, icy showers, guards whopping your ass around the clock, and the only way out is suicide. Hella marketing, eh? So, uh, Jimmy the Scumbag, I have to know if he's friends with Johnny Tightlips. <laughs> well, Johnny Tightlips wouldn't tell you. He wouldn't say nothing. Uh, but uh, telemarketing scams, I feel like this is just on the cusp of the internet age where there are so many more ways to rip people off. But this is sort of telemarketing scam and a chain letter scam. Mm. And do we know anything about how those worked in any way? No, not really. I mean, I got I got telemarketing calls, but they always had a very direct thing of like, sign up for this, buy this thing, donate to this, all that. They, But they weren't vague things of like, happy dude or a record. If it was a recorded message, I'd hang up immediately of like, oh, you're not a person. I don't feel bad about hanging up here yeah i think i think we might be all be too young to have experienced this and like the ch- the chain letter days were just like you would get a letter in the mail saying you know copy this list put your name at the bottom of it give it to eight, eight friends and they would have to send them out mm. to other people and eventually all the money would go back to one person i don't know how they worked but uh again with the internet it's much easier to steal from people yeah. <laughs> i feel like telemarketing scams are back though because i get a ton of calls every day oh, yeah. uh telling me i owe money to the irs or something and oh, it's man. like uh yeah that's some kind of scam because now they can just like I get constantly get number uh, calls from my old area code back in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh, me too. Uh, not not from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, but from Ohio. <laughs> and if you if you leave Skype on, all manner of calls will come in from people you've never met. That's interrupted a recording once. Yeah, when I forgot about doing that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be. I was no. I wasn't bitter about that. I, no, no, no. I just feel like, boy, how is this even happening now? Yeah. When now when I get so my phone my phone number I got it as a free phone from my old job and I just kept the, they let me keep the phone so I kept the phone number but it's not my personal area code. But it's the one where my office was. So when I get that area code phone calls, I'm like, oh, this is just another yeah. another telemarketing scam. These ones don't work on people who move. They it worked on me for a couple months. I kept just uh, being like, which hospital have my parents been taken to? Yes, and then it was yeah. just like, oh no, okay, never mind. And so God forbid they ever actually <laughs> if they get in trouble because uh, I ain't answering. My theory is if no one if no one leaves a voicemail, no one is sick or dead. So uh, that's when that's I ignored true. those local calls. I'm glad they didn't go to the darker place we all know they could have gone with a jail joke. Yeah, they just yeah. say the the prisoners getting beaten by the I mean suicide's quite a dark joke to go to, but they need to have something horrible be said to Homer for it to work for me like telemarketing, eh? <laughs> but whomping is such a good verb. Whomping and he whomping. hits the car, you can hear it. Yeah, and the little reaction on Jimmy's face when the car moves when he says whomping, he's just like, oh man, I'm in for it. Like it's when Jimmy the scumbag realizes it. I think Jimmy the scumbag has been in prison before, though. He should know all these things. Yeah, though he wouldn't actually go to prison for 20 years because he would appear in background shots in later seasons after this just when they needed like skis, skeevy characters to show up. So not the last we've seen of Jimmy the Scumbag. The Simpsons will be right back. Hey, we're real happy that all you crumbums are listening to this week's episode of Talking Simpsons, and we especially thank Matt Burnett for doing the show. We are big fans of Craig of the Creek and all of his work on the Steven Universe show as well, and we hope you folks check out that show. The episodes we talked about here are really great. You can check them out on the Cartoon Network app. You can buy Season Pass on like iTunes or Amazon. There's lots of cool places to see it, and we super duper thank Matt Burnett for doing the show. Also, if you'd like to support this show and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, you can go to 
patreon.com slash talking simpsons if you head there you can listen to every episode of talking simpsons a week early and ad free you can be listening to next week's episode hurricane netty right now and without any ads on it for just five dollars a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if you're a fan of the other show mapper networked on steven universe you could listen to our what a cartoon podcast where we cover the first two episodes of steven universe and so many other cartoons on what a cartoon which is also a week early and ad free on patreon.com slash talking simpsons just five dollars a month gets you that and access to a bunch of exclusive interviews with folks who worked on the simpsons we talked to the writer of this week's episode mike scully we talked to longtime simpsons director david silverman we talked to writer dan mcgrath who worked on seasons four five and six of the simpsons as well as mission hill king the hill and gravity falls and we talked to most recently mike reese who wrote a whole book on working on The Simpsons for 30 whole years. Check all that out exclusively at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Also, if you'd like to support the show in other ways, check out a free trial of Hulu on us. You can get a 30-day free trial of Hulu at tiny.cc slash tshulu. Stream your heart's content for 30 days, and a little bit of money gets kicked back to the show if you do through our link, tiny.cc slash tshulu. There's anime on there. There's Steven Universe and regular show and a ton of other Cartoon Network series, too, if you would like those. You can check all that out and more tiny.cc slash tshulu oh yeah and this is definitely more season six disciplinarian skinner than like sad skinner other than we get the bit of sadness in the beginning that's Mm -hmm. true yeah yeah. but but when he's the principal he's just the tough guy he's got to be especially because this is rebel without a cause so much so he just has to be authority in it see he can't you can't get too much sadness with him at the once he has to be nelson's enemy this is his hunt for the h (laughs) Oh, you think this stolen H is a laugh riot, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something that's not so funny. Right now, Superintendent Chalmers is at home crying like a little girl. (laughs) I guess it is a little funny. (laughs) Nonetheless, I will find the culprit. We'll start with, uh, oh, I don't know, Bart Simpson. Um, I don't think you want to look in there, sir. Balderdash, I'll just stick my head right in it. Half a dozen eggs. Well, that would be the complete dozen. All right, rather than tempt fate, I'll move along now. (laughs) So I wanted to ask Matt, this episode is directed by Susie Dieter, one of the best uh, Simpsons directors. Um, And working in animation, what do you notice or what do you pick up on in terms of staging and acting and things like that? Because I feel like there's a lot of great stuff Especially in that in that scene where he's like Bart Simpson, and there's a great a great pointing pose from behind Skinner. There's a lot of great uh, acting in this episode. Yeah, there's uh, it, 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 the layouts on this episode and these seasons are just so fun because there's so many. I was thinking about it, and that shot is the one where it's like on Skinner, and then it pans down yeah. the hallway, and they've they've drawn into the background, they've changed the perspective because like the 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 lockers are flat against Skinner, and then as the camera moves across the background, the the drawing curves right, to right, show right. you the perspective of now we're shooting down the hallway and I that was one that jumped out to me and there's so many like uh the 
Brad Bird during this time when he was like consulting on The Simpsons, like he put together this like guide to storyboarding that gets handed like people uh, in animation pass it around. Oh, constantly. really? Wow! It's still, oh. uh, this document that and there's a King of the Hill one that I think he might have done too. Oh, but the like the character guide of like Peggy looks like this, not like this. It's not. Like, it's not even the character design. It's like shot composition of like oh. don't like you know don't stage a character straight on like do like an upshot or a downshot. And there's like in the very beginning of the episode with uh, Chalmers and Skinner, there's that. Mm. Like, we're looking up at Chalmers, and then we're looking down at Skinner at the lunch it's table. It's not like a proscenium or proscenium staging, however you say that, where it's like yeah. a, sort of like a diorama. Diorama. Yeah, and that's what's like... The, the, the Simpsons is just so for at this point is such a visually dynamic show that they're really imitating like cinematic language that you would do in a live action film because often in animation it's just easier to stage everything flat like okay we just get to draw a flat background not a lot of complex perspective and then we can kind of just like move that background around and mm. then just have the characters be standing in sort of their stock three quarter position and I feel like with the Simpsons the way they're designed it's always we you know you guys talk about it, it's such a challenge sometimes to like draw them from a certain perspective where you're just like, oh, we got to see the back of Lisa's head. Or the the top of Bart's head. Yeah. Yeah. And how their eyeball bubbles out to the side. Yeah. And they're they're on the show, they're like constantly working to find these solutions to make it dynamic and working with those restrictions of the character. So yeah, like I I love the look of the show at this point. (laughs) I think it was season five when they consolidated the bullies, but it's, it's still weird to me when I see Nelson hang out with Jimbo Dolphin Kearney because in season one, Nelson, number one, has his own lackeys. They're dead. They're dead. <laughs> They're <now. just> gone. <laughs> Those two, like, clones, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but Nelson is supposed to be around Bart's age. Maybe he uh, was held back a grade. But when we first meet Jimbo, Dolphin, Kearney, they're supposed to be, like, junior high kids, at least, that Bart looks up to. But now they're in the school with them, and they just put the bullies together. I think one of the first times was in season five of just when they needed all four of the bullies to be just wailing on Bart at the yeah. same time. I'm like, well, let's just have Nelson there, too. I guess we never see what class uh, or homeroom Jimbo Dolphin Kearney are in. They're not, mm. of course, they're not in Lisa's classroom, but they're also not in Bart's. Yeah, they, you, you do see them in the auditorium. Yeah. Say, of, like, eat up Martha. Or, like, Jim that. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kearney's obviously been held back uh, oh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> we didn't notice that was his car that they were stealing <laughs> oh, yeah. the H off of in the beginning. He is he is 100. Kearney now is 100% a 40-year-old man. <laughs> That's just how they write him. But it's like the third uh, joke from this the uh, the Oakley and Weinstein era of Kearney is an adult mm-hmm. with a son, <laughs> with a car. He was there for the uh, bicentennial. So, yeah. Him, him trying to buy beer in Much of Pool About Nothing was the last time they treated him as <laughs> underaged. <laughs> After going with the obvious thing of Bart first... Skinner has has ended up with his last one. And I I love that Willie, they must have keys to the locker, but Willie, to find this H, is doing hundreds, (laughs) if not thousands of dollars of damage to those lockers. At the end, there's just a row on on both sides of just destroyed lockers. (laughs) So we reach the bottom of the barrel. Nelson Muntz. The cold, hard process of elimination places the H squarely in your locker. A principal's ransom in stolen goods. (laughs) Well, sir, who's haw-hawing now, hmm? I don't know, but he's got lethal tuna breath. Who does Nelson think he's impressing anyway, acting so cool all the time? 
Not me. <laughs> All right, Mr. Smartenheimer, that does it. First, you're going to give back everything you've stolen, and I'm sentencing you to one week of the lowest, most degrading work known to man, janitorial work. Oh, I'm standing right here, sir. Oh, yes. Uh, take a good look at it, Nelson. That's where you're headed. So, yeah, Oakley and Weinstein, uh, they love season three. They pattern their seasons after season three. And this reminds me a lot of the locker search scene in Separate Vocations, yeah. where they're looking for the teacher's guide. Except no Axel F ripoff song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, what it reminds me of, too, the ooh scene. That felt like a moment like I'd have married with children or like saved by the bell when the audience reacts to like a character like saying something they're not supposed to, like, ooh. This is where they first introduced the dynamic of Milhouse and Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, In, like I think this is the one that solidifies Millhouse is as a crush on Lisa. Yeah, me. I mean they were edging up to it. The first time we saw this was uh, Lisa on Ice, where he was hanging out with Lisa just to be seen, <laughs> and then uh, at the end of Summer of Four Foot Two, he was way into being in the car with Lisa. See and, you in the car. Yeah, and this is yes, this is like the true, fully formed uh, Millhouse has a crush on Lisa, which would carry on for so long to the point where in the future canon they are married. Yep. Yeah. yeah Even it, though she is having an affair with we're having an affair with, with Nelson, right? Isn't oh, that's what they do in that episode. I think they did have. Oh yeah, my god, I totally was, forgot about that. that yeah, was in their background that they had had an affair and probably would have an affair again. <laughs> yeah, I I do like that. Whenever they bring back that, like Nelson and Lisa have a history together. I think it was in the uh, Das Bus as well that Lisa, like Nelson, lets Lisa go first uh, somewhere, and she's like Nelson. Lisa. Like. <laughs> I, I think we've come down on this, though, that we prefer the Lisa's wedding future in which Milhouse doesn't count. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think Lisa deserves better. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for Milhouse, but still, you know. Yeah, yeah. That that episode of when she's married to Milhouse, I like that episode overall, but it bumps me out that she's settled for him. Yeah. There's a whole wide world out there for Lisa. <laughs> I like her. I mean, president maybe is too high. I don't know. Why not? But she, we all know how that predicts the future. But yeah. I... I, th- I feel like in those, I, I like the idea of them all just being a family in the future like that, but it does just feel like, oh, Lisa settled, or Lisa could have done so much more than just be who she is in this other future. Yeah. And uh, uh, the line, principles ransom, that's a great little <laughs> line as well. And speaking of things like running jokes beginning, I think this is really... They've been down on Willie before, but uh, they'd never. This, I think, is when it's set up that he is like a homeless janitor who lives at the school. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it's been since there was that tension between Willie and Skinner. You know, where oh, yeah, they really Skinner would uh, insult Willie, and then Willie would mutter under his breath about Skinner's like a pansy or you know whatever <laughs> a pencil pusher. But I, I think it's been absent for a while. Yeah, maybe it ended in Sweet Seymour Skinner, where he told him, uh, you, uh, "Guff speaking work slacker." Yeah. That's what broke him. It feels like uh, it feels like uh, it's his response to the way Chalmers treats him in the beginning of the episode. He's just establishing the pecking order of that. Yeah. Whenever the superintendent comes around, I get pushed around. So now you got to take my guff, and then <laughs> Willie tries to pass it on to the kids. But as we'll see, it doesn't go t- over so well. <laughs> uh, so then we go back to the telemarketing machine. Oh wait, no. First, Nelson has to give back all stuff, and it's something about the visual of him telling Ralph, "You're dead," as he hands it. It's really funny to me. <laughs> Like you're dead. We almost had a spit take here. Yeah, on the show. Uh, and then Homer has his first telemarketing call. An automatic dialer? Is that legal? I don't want you getting arrested, Homer. <laughs> I won't. Or swindling our neighbors. Let me show you how it works. <laughs> this baby has every phone number in town programmed into it. 
It automatically calls them one by one and plays my message. Listen. Ahoy, hoy. Greetings, friend. Do you wish to look as happy as me? Well, you've got the power inside you right now. So use it and send one dollar to Happy Dude, 742 Evergreen Terrace, Springfield. Don't delay. Eternal happiness is just a dollar away. Hmm. One dollar for eternal happiness. Uh, I'd be happier with the dollar. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this B-plot, but I like a little little dash of burns mm-hmm. in this episode. And in any episode. In the continuity that he answers his own phone and says, Ahoy, Ahoy, Ahoy. Ahoy. Yeah. As, as he learned last season. <laughs> I love uh, Homer wearing the glasses in this scene and like yeah. so so studiously like studying this machine. It feels like he's like really. It feels like such a dad thing. He's like really putting in the work of like tinkering with this new toy of his, even if it is to scam the entire town. <laughs> this really is the era of Homer's reading glasses. Uh, we we just it. did a Millhouse Divided, and they, he breaks them out like three times in that uh, in that episode. And uh, this is a very season nine and ten Homer trait of being specifically asked by Marge if he's doing something, and he's like. Let's uh, let's not and just silence and then change the subject. <laughs> I won't lie to you, Marge. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> and I just love the stupidity of Homer in his phone call that he's like, if you want to look as good as I do or as happy as I look yeah. now, and then giving his his actual address yeah. as a place like it. I obviously Wiggum's terrible, but how could you not catch him on the first? You gotta, time? You got to get a PO box to scam people with at least <laughs> in another in another zip code. I think. And I th- the joke that it's only calling five five fives is a little funny under under the radar joke. And I like to think of everyone in Springfield has a five 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 error code or five five five. That then, if Burns is oh one, I think that means that he had the first phone <laughs> in Springfield, and <laughs> that's his that. number. That's his. Uh, well, he he had he almost had the first uh, social security number. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for a second, I almost thought it was Abe who had the first phone, but no, he had the first radio. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> see, would usually follow. Uh, and then we get the triumphant return of Mister Larco. Yay! <laughs> and that's our Willie Waters. Now you take the hoose. The moose? The hoose! The hoose! Is this right? Ah! Turn off the noozle! The noodles? What noodles? Hmm. The noozle at the end of the hoose! <laughs> Miss Simpson, do you find something funny about the word tromboner? <laughs> no, sir. I was laughing at something outside. She was looking at Nelson! Lisa likes Nelson! She does not! Newhouse likes Lisa! He does not! Nobody likes Millhouse. Lisa, you've got detention. So yeah, Mr. Largo, it's so funny that he's a stat. He's okay. He's in every episode in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa is annoying him with uh, her saxophone playing. Very prominently featured yes. in the opening. And I feel like I feel like they had big plans for Mr. Largo, but he is woefully underused. I feel like. Uh, he could have been their vehicle for gay jokes, but that is Smithers. So they never did anything with him. I feel like this is the this is the most he's featured in an episode to date. Yeah, outside of like little cutaways where he's like, uh, where the the you know the kids. Uh, sorry, you a bug. Yeah, and then when the <laughs> teachers go on strike and they can play the forbidden music, I heard that. You yes. know, the uh, the last time he had been seen before this was in Lisa's Rival, another Mike Scully one. This yeah. is not a dream. <laughs> and uh, so it's like him, uh, Howard from Howard's Flowers, Mister Nanny oh, from man. Candy Most Dandy. He's like in all of these season one like mutants mm-hmm. that never get pulled out very often. <laughs> I love the joke in the beginning of the scene where he's running 
turning off the public domain songs that they'll be playing, and they'll <laughs> yeah. bring back Jimmy Crack Corner. Because I just I played cello back in elementary school and middle school, and I can distinctly remember like having to run through the lamest songs in the world, and then they were like, "We're going to let you very poorly play the theme to Jurassic Park," and it was just like <laughs> an absolute like, yeah. we were like, "Yes, this is so metal." <laughs> but wasn't wasn't the forbidden song uh, "Pop Goes the Weasel"? Pop goes the wow, weasel, so yeah. I guess he accepted it into his heart. Like, yeah, you're right. I love. Yeah, I was in band as well for in junior high, and it was uh, it was not fun. I it just it was very. I was hoping I'd be like, oh, are other geeks in here? It's like, no, it's very clickish in in my band. I think Nelson. Sometimes they have to write him more clever in this one than he normally is portrayed. Of just uh, especially when he. He knows how to roast Willie for his accent. And it'd be like, oh, the who's like, and that's a heavier, only for this scene does Willie speak in that heavy of a Yeah, that's, that's yeah. A, a strong vowel shift for this, for this one scene. It's, I thought it was really well observed of kids' thing of just like, blank likes blank. If you, yeah. if you say anything about another person, like, well, blah, 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 likes blah, blah. And though it's funny that they all assume that Uter has a same sex attraction to Millhouse, not Janie. I mean, I mean, despite Mr. Largo never getting any good lines, I, I do always think of nobody likes Millhouse. Yeah. <laughs> that he thinks he's just shutting them up, but instead he's grossly insulting a little boy. To let, <laughs> so then Lisa gets detention and she's having to write things like Bart. And that's when Nelson gives her the tip of writing with those things, which I uh, I, I thought I thought those things were cool. They're nice little contraptions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you saw those in school, right? The the deal with the five chalks when they yeah, make yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the musical staff if that's what you call it i think it's what you yeah. call it okay <laughs> and uh and then nelson even gives her a tip and it's like that's how it kind of starts her crush on him though i don't even know if she i guess she does have a crush on him but it, i in general i like that lisa it, it, this could be the obvious story of the good girl likes the bad boy and what does that mean and that is kind of what they're doing but i like that at least lisa is kind of coming at it analytically of like why do i have this crush yeah, yeah i like that she's so kind of self-aware of the tropes of like young elementary school love that mm-hmm. she's just like oh no this is this <laughs> i'm i'm doing this story now and stuff <laughs> yeah. and 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 I also love too when uh, at the end of the act break, while she's going like, oh, he sure is ugly though, <laughs> but like, getting a crush on him. Yeah. Then he's, even though he's been torturing, I got to give it to Willie. He, Nelson has been torturing Willie this whole time. But when he says, let's catch his football, Willie's like, oh yeah, I'm going long. Like he's, he's so excited for it, which makes it even funnier that he's being stung by a beehive it's, after that. It's a great visual joke. When, when she gets done with uh, all of the writing with the five chalk dealie, she says, that was a good idea. And I can't believe it came from Nelson. Pan over to him hitting a bee's nest with a rake. And I forgot that he eventually throws it at Willie, but it's like, what is he doing? I just, yeah, I love, I love the dichotomy of just like, Lisa is written so above the intelligence of uh, your average uh, kid that age and then Nelson is just like just hammering away at a bee's nest. Yeah. yeah. I think you know there's some there's some words in this episode and phrases that Simpsons doesn't normally do but I like it because it's accurate for stupid kids at least of the 90s when I was a dumb kid to this age. I was like yeah this is accurate. This, yeah. is, this, this is un- this is unclever because this is how dumb kids talk, at least then. Uh, so we come back from the break, and Lisa is has something to tell Milhouse. <laughs> Milhouse, I've never told anyone this kind of thing before, but I've never felt this way before. I think I have a crush. <gasps> oh, really? <laughs> On Nelson Munt. 
<laughs> Way to drink, Point Dexter! <laughs> you like Nelson? <laughs> but he's a creep and he chipped one of my permanent teeth! And I bet oh. him meet he's a sweet, sensitive person. Like you. I guess you could say I want to bring out the Millhouse in Nelson. But I'm all Millhouse! Hmm. Plus, my mom says I'm the handsomest guy in school! <laughs> <laughs> I do like how they don't really go for the nice guy angle. Like, no, Milhouse deserves Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so animation-wise, I do enjoy when he violently explodes his milk. It's, late, <laughs> it's dripping from the ceiling. However, however that happened, it's now dripping from the ceiling. But I don't feel like this this uh, has an agenda in which it's like, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it always like this? A nice guy never gets the girl. I feel like mm-hmm. it's sort of more a realistic observation of what it's like when your crush tells you these things. Yeah. And I, a yeah. lot of a lot of comedy nerds growing up have heard like, you're like a big brother. You're like, like a sister or whatever. Mm. I think usually hear like a big brother. Uh, Millhouse gets it worse to hear like he's a big sister. <laughs> yes, I I do like that he's basically getting the milk rained on him. Yeah, but, uh, we talked a lot about like nice guys and friend zones in our Freakazoid episode. Yeah, I'm nerditor. Really, yeah, nerditor. I I and I am not into that. I think it's. Uh, I hope that it's a stereotype that has been let go of, and it, it just t- t- it, it comes from a lot of like entitlement and toxic masculinity. But I. I think more so this is Le- because Lisa is a lead in it. They're not making Lisa the bad guy here, the yeah. mean girl that's friend zoning Millhouse. She's, but she's that's how it is. Like Lisa's not if she's not interested in Millhouse, it's not her problem. You know, yeah. like it's not her fault. And I love how the the I feel like the line that makes it clear that they're like no Millhouse is a moron is when he states like ah yes yeah. she'll surely respect me if I do everything <laughs> yeah. she wants me to do. I, and I think that again that is very observational. A lot of poor guys who don't know anything about women will think that just yeah. like yes I'll do everything she tells me and then I'll win her over with my loyalty. Yes, yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, guys. Come on, that's okay. I have that clip here. I like you too, Millhouse, but. Not in that way. You're more like a big sister. No, I'm not. Why does everybody keep saying that? Would you do me a favor? When you get back to class, just give him this note. Please. When she sees you'll do anything she says, she's bound to respect you. Sure. What's a big sister for? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, I mean, no matter what your gender orientation, nobody wants to date a good-natured doormat. So no. uh, don't learn from Millhouse. Yeah, I that is such an informed take of, like, um, they're bound to respect you. And I still have that reaction, too, of, like, walking away like, I overdid that. I didn't need yeah. to say that last part <laughs> Why there. Why did I say that? <laughs> this next part to me, I think, is line of the episode. So, okay, so as a gay man, I'm not into homophobic jokes. I get it. It's, they're not fun. But and this is kind of a response to homophobia you can see that in there but it's just so funny yeah i i I mean i don't think they're saying millhouse deserves this i think uh, i think they're saying nelson is homophobic and and this is a monstrous response he does here (laughs) yes but but the cruelty of it is the fun as well the smash cut to uh the damage done is uh is the ultimate i mean classic siren cut yeah Yeah. oh god and the show to this point has loved abusing millhouse millhouse Mm -hmm. can uh trucks can fall on him he could get hit with x-rays he can get chased out of uh out of a waterfall like in the fugitive like he is, He's taken worse yeah. abuse as well. But yeah, this delivery, uh, this is lining the episode for me, the delivery of some of these lines here. That's the joke. Guess who likes you? Milhouse, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. He can't hear you now. 
We had to pack his ears with gauze. <laughs> Nelson! Um, that note Millhouse gave you? It wasn't from him. It was from... me. You? Why would you like me? No girls like me. Speaking of animation and just like staging, it's a great it's a great shot of Milhouse. Uh, sorry, Nelson in the front, and then all the way in the back is Milhouse. He's leaning over and just drumming his fingers on the desk and <laughs> yeah. like raising his eyebrows. It's very very great. I his just love how it's staged. Is so yeah. funny. Great. Eyebrow acting on Milhouse is always good. <laughs> well, because he's the only character with eyebrows. <laughs> that's true. Well, uh, Kirk and Luann have eyebrows. Oh, that's Luann true. doesn't have eyebrows though. We learned oh, that she's faking it. Yeah, so that's right. But the the ears packed with gauze that line too just like he can't hear you now because he's dead i thought was the first <laughs> yeah. like, or he's unconscious i feel but. like the school was okay with this because uh, nelson is just watching him getting trucked away and just joining the rest of the students like yeah, he's nelson, not getting punished nelson is punished for like low-key robbery but then like he <laughs> beats a man into submission and it's like all good also what did he did he just hit him so hard he's bleeding out his ears they gotta soak it up or did he give him just like the worst wet willy of all time like oh, a virtual God. brain penetrating well his glasses are broken on his face so you have to assume there's some facial trauma <laughs> yeah. there. the fact that they leave it to our imagination it's like what did he do did he get up and just like <laughs> yeah. run after milhouse like what yeah. what actually happened in those moments we don't see it's great that we have to fill in the blanks it makes uh, it even worse and and it's good that lisa feels bad about it too like she at least she gets to know like ooh, i shouldn't have done that to milhouse <laughs> and you're, you're right unless nelson beat him in secret then he should be arrested <laughs> or at least suspended yeah but i also like nelson's reaction to finding out that lisa likes him just like that nelson doesn't live, live a life for girls to like him so he's just like no girl likes me are you wearing a wire what are you doing <laughs> it could be a trick yeah, i mean just incredibly low self-esteem and we can see how that could come from his living situation first lisa takes nelson to her house oh you gotta see this it's so cute when she does be the baby kitty go on <laughs> be the baby <laughs> come on <laughs> no, i don't understand she loves to climb in here I believe you. I don't care. <laughs> hey, Lise, Mom said you had the toenail clippers and... Whoa, Lisa, look out. Nelson's in our house. <laughs> it's okay. I invited him over. Nelson's my new friend. Are you nuts? I'll probably never say this to you again, but you can do better. <laughs> please don't ruin this for me, Bart. I think he's starting to like me. Millhouse likes you. Oh, please. Millhouse likes Vaseline on toast. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is more of like the older Bart Nelson relationship. They, they have started including Nelson in the friend group with things mm. like, uh, Lemon of Troy and also the Grammar Rodeo. <laughs> grammar Rodeo? <laughs> We're going to a Grammar Rodeo? Yeah. yeah. Nelson, as the scene dictates, is either Bart's bully or his, uh, not meaner friend. <laughs> Feels like it's like Bart treats him like a necessary evil almost of like, I'll be friends with this guy, but God, I would never actually bring <laughs> yeah. him home. That's yeah. just inviting too much of this evil into my life. He'll destroy everything of you. Like he'll still, I mean, I definitely had, I had Nelson type friends, a couple of them that my mom rightly was like, why did you bring them into our house? They are going <laughs> to steal things or break things. And they usually did. I, and I want to say to my mom, I'm sorry, I didn't listen to you. Uh, they seemed cool at the time. And I wanted to be friends with cool kids. And the whole thing about eating Vaseline on toast, Yuck. I believe it's a story from uh, Josh Weinstein, the yeah. uh, co-showrunner. He remembers uh, being a kid and uh, on the school bus, one of the students was 
would always have a piece of toast with Vaseline on it on the way to school. And I was like, did his mother or father do that? Or were they just into eating weird things? And actually, I just looked it up now. Uh, Apparently, um, uh, this is what will happen if you eat Vaseline. So Vaseline is a petroleum jelly, a mineral oil. Uh, (laughs) Similarly, paraffin oil is a mineral oil with laxative effects. So eating Vaseline will likely have a laxative effect on you. So perhaps this kid had like constipation issues or something. But uh, if you've ever accidentally had like if you've ever had like somehow gotten Vaseline in your mouth, it's not a good taste. No, though Homer liked it. He ate that entire jar oh, right. of petroleum jelly. I guess beauty que- beauty queens might know uh, just from it being on their uh, what your their teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though uh, for the f- that frictionless smile, as Bart put it. Though when I hear about Vaseline on ho- toast, I think of one specific song. Oh no! Oh God! She make your breakfast. <laughs> she make your toast. But she don't use butter And she don't use cheese She don't use jelly you flaming lips <laughs> yes that's one of my five uh, go-to's for karaoke it's fun yeah. to sing it's yeah fun. you're not singing too fast and running out of breath it's just like bass it's it's in the nice like also the kind of like weird al and they might be giants nasal range that i enjoy yeah. singing in as well yeah I love I love how this scene showcases like getting to see Lisa and she puts on that cutesy voice when she's dealing with Snowball trying yeah. to be the baby. I mean, the character like it's just like it's such a like you know it's such an insight into like oh yeah Lisa's a kid and she plays it's just so fun to see them like freed to just like be kids it's yeah. so funny and that frustration of a pet trick of just like oh this he does the funniest thing like watch 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 and when I've been on the other side of that I have had the Nelson thought too of like I don't I care. believe you I don't care like I it's true this your cat can do this let's do something else i that's me and my kids now and my <laughs> wife is kind of be like don't snap your fingers at the kids and make kissy noises to get them to like perform for people <laughs> wow uh I, I do like bart's uh i do like bart's reaction to millhouse likes vaseline on toast he's like hmm <laughs> is he thinking about what that would taste like or is it just like i didn't know that about millhouse or if he's like oh that's why she doesn't like him i think i think yeah. bart doesn't understand why well if a guy likes you then you're a girl like him, figure it's like, it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just he's he's realizing why that's not what he should do. And we also get the shot of a uh, Homer getting his first two dollars from Abe and Jasper, which uh, made them slightly happier. So, <laughs> so but then Nelson takes her to his house. Which first Nelson has a quick line about uh, this is the first person to come over since my dad went nuts. But we in the know. previous episode in uh, Millhouse Divided, oh, he his father had left his mom thanks to her addiction to cough drops. Drops. I'm, I was thinking of the uh, the late, much later episode they made in which his dad went out to buy cigarettes and uh, he somehow encountered peanuts and he was allergic to peanuts and he was uh, he was like captured and put <laughs> oh in a freak show God, right. and people kept throwing peanuts at him so his allergy never went away. Right. Yeah, and that that is wow. the canonic the actual canonical Nelson's dad story okay. out of the four that exist. One and one he's the soccer coach. Yeah, played by Phil Hartman. Yeah, <laughs> Nelson tells a lot of stories, which I, I get. He's he's got a crappy. Life may as well make up some stories about his his parents. This this was also the secret of my bad friends. Like they were partially bad, I think, because they they didn't have very good home life, yeah. and it was just really it's it was a sad and 
answer to find out about that as well. Yeah, for sure. That scene is just such like a subtle, subtle bummer. I guess the roaches maybe aren't so subtle, but <laughs> yeah, I love that the roaches. Once he wipes them off, the roaches walk with him into the house. <laughs> like we're all just going in together. And nobody cares. Nobody, at least Lisa should react to all those roaches. You think? Oh, but in between the scenes, there we get Frank versus Happy Dude. Lab. Greetings, friend. Do you wish to look as happy as? <gasps> Why, it's the AT5000 auto dialer, my very first patent. Oh, would you listen to the gibberish they've got you saying? It's sad and alarming. You were designed to alert school children about snow days and such. Well, let's get you home to Frinky. Hope your wheels still work. Hey. That's much better than the house Frank design that would run away. It's true. It's much more reliable. <laughs> but I love just the the sound of Homer snapping off those legs, which is, if the auto dialer is somewhat sentient, that's even crueler. He's like, you're uh-huh. not getting away. And, and Homer doesn't question that his auto dialer could raise up on wheels and start and to unplug go, itself. And unplug <laughs> yeah. itself and go away. Uh, and then, I mean, that Frank scene was also quite Futurama-y, as, as most yeah. are in this era. <laughs> I agree. So then we get uh, some insight into the life of Nelson. Nuke the whales? You don't really believe that, do you? I don't know. Gotta nuke something. Touche. <laughs> you play the guitar? Oh, yeah. I'm a superstar. <laughs> Would you play a song for me? Oh. Okay. Joy to the world. The teacher's dead. We barbecued her head. What happened to her body? We flushed it down the potty. And round and round it goes. And round and round it goes. (laughs) I wish I could laugh at the idea of a teacher being decapitated. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's funny, huh? Hardly. And then Nelson just decides to go to sleep. I feel like there's some depression that's yeah. not being addressed. It's just like if he if he's sad, he just shuts down and just goes to sleep. And he's just at first you could think like, oh, he's making it up just to get away from Lisa, but it's like, no, he just wants to sleep. He's had enough of the day. I'm getting pretty tired. I'm gonna go to sleep for a while. Smell you later. You get a little like Chuck Berry strut. Is yeah, I love the animation. The, the famous duck walk. Oh, that's yeah. A, and uh, that tune, I believe Mike Scully says that he got it from his kids, but like I'd, I'd heard that song as well the, as a kid. Yeah, that was uh, one on the playground along with Batman Smells. Mm. I didn't know that one until The Simpsons taught me it. Mm. Like, the it Simpsons taught like kids me. of the late 80s, early 90s that for mm-hmm. sure. And it's a subtle joke, but like that when you see Lisa Neck, she's in the car. That's that she had to call Marge to pick her up because she's in a bad neighborhood. Is he going to just walk home? This episode really set up "smell you later" as the Nelson catchphrase. He, he has two catchphrases. Nelson does ha ha and "smell, smell you later. later." Yeah, that is that is the that is. I think I think the future stole that from him because in the in Bar to the Future, that is the way everyone says goodbye. <laughs> so maybe Nelson popularized it. I like that "smell you later." I like that. Do we have the Marge scene with Lisa in the yes, car? Okay, cool. Oh, no. I, I love this. Line. This is my personal line of the show. That's the joke. I feel so stupid, Mom. Nelson's not right for me at all. And I don't think he ever will be. Well, most women will tell you that you're a fool to think you can change a man. But those 
Those women are quitters. <laughs> what? When I first met your father, he was loud, crude, and piggish. But I worked hard on him, and now he's a whole new person. Mom? He's a whole new person, Lisa. Oh, I know. <laughs> I wonder if I could change Nelson. That last Marge line is my favorite, where she's like, you have to agree with me. Yeah, I need this. I need this. Uh, delusional Marge makes me so sad. Yeah, it's so, it is such a sad line to say, but I, I, I like that. I want to think Marge's life with Homer is more than just her thinking that she's fixing a bad person, but, uh, but it is a pretty funny idea that like that's why Marge is stuck with him so long she knows she can fix him and she has convinced him herself she already has he's so much better now <laughs> and, and we have the return of Wee oui Monsieur uh, mm. which is where I believe uh, it first appeared during Lisa the Greek that when right. Lisa was watching the football <laughs> the football as I call it with Homer <laughs> and uh, Marge took uh, Bart out to get nice new clothes and he was immediately beaten up mm. <laughs> well if they're going to beat you up they're not your friends yes and uh, yeah and I looked that up too the uh, Wee oui Monsieur has not returned since this one so that's i think it was the more oakley weinstein going like i remember the we we went to a preppy clothes place before let's just go with that and it also saves some time to write another sign gag right mm, that's true it's clever enough you don't need to think of it yeah take one. take one off your uh, background department design list <laughs> <laughs> that too yeah and uh, Lisa preppies him up, and he he feels like punching himself, but he still goes along with it, which I guess shows like Nelson maybe isn't so bad. I feel like it. I don't know that he goes along with it shows he's not completely against Lisa or fighting her on this stuff at least. And the next scene is the real uh, Rebel Without a Cause mm. homage. Uh, they're at the Griffith Park Observatory. That's also in Springfield. Is that what's happening here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun to be recording this in Los Angeles when they have just really the observatory, like which is uh, within within miles of where we are right now. It's it reminds me of how so many times they just put. Uh, we talked about that with uh, Liz, or we'll talk about it with Liz on an upcoming episode about how just all the LA things you see inserted in Simpsons that you don't realize until you are in LA after watching the simpsons for years yeah uh, then we get kind of a sweet scene what do you feel what's inside you right now guts <laughs> and black stuff <laughs> and about 50 slim jims come on nelson you must think and feel things i mean look where we are a rolling green hillside the stars coming out like god is lighting a million tiny candles the moon looking down on us as if to say <gasps> my first kiss i always wondered what it would be like it's ought to shut her up <laughs> Hey, this isn't so bad. So Nelson is softening <laughs> a bit, I think. Mm. And it's uh, it's a rare, like, sweet act break. Like, yeah. Second, second act breaks in these usually are, like, tense or telling you, like, oh, a scary thing's going to happen next scene when we're back from commercial. It's a nice, it's a nice pan up to the moon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's really sweet. But the, the sweetness is ruined very quickly. Uh, and this is another, like, I think this might be the only one of the few times they use gay as a pejorative on The Simpsons, but it's for such funny effect here. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how kids talk uh, these days, but gay was a very popular, uh, just all-purpose insult. Like, mm -hmm. that's gay, the show is gay, like, you're gay, like, so it was just like... It's, it was the go-to that in the R word. Yes, yeah, among 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 boys at the time. I I hope kids are better today, but this is such a great use of it for comedic purposes. Oh man, you kissed a girl. That is so gay. <laughs> Listen, you thugs, stop making fun of him, or you'll be sorry. Whoa! <laughs> 
<laughs> He's not like you anymore. Oh. He's changed, and he doesn't want to hang around with a bunch of crumbums. Crumbums? Nobody calls me a crumbum. Hey, back off, James. Mm. I'll handle this, Lisa. You go have a fig bar. Huh. Hey, thanks for embarrassing me, dingus. You asked for it, man. You're broadcasting geek rays over the entire valley. Afraid not. I'm still wicked bad. Oh, yeah, then prove it, ass butt. Come <laughs> raid Skinner's house with us. So, yes, ass, ass butt, butt is good. I do, I do enjoy the <laughs> ass butt. I, I like that you have to write them as... You can't write them as too smart and say clever things, so they have to say dumb shit like ass butt. Uh, and it's and sort yet of, they know what a crumb bum is and yeah. they're deeply offended by crumb it. Crumb comes back again later, right? Yeah, yeah. And Skinner calls it that. Yeah, and I, and I feel like, uh, I, unintentionally, of course, but I feel like this is a sort of dynamic we see in the Telltale Head in which uh, Jimbo, Dolphin, Kearney are the bad influences on another character. And That's they want true. him to do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. they show up to be like, well, are you going to do this or what? And also, dingus is another of my favorite like uh, insults of, uh, it's old-timey insults. It's a good Steve Brule word. <laughs> you dingus? <laughs> uh, the Rancid Coleslaw, Best Buy 1994, which is a joke, it's better and better each year yeah. since the episode aired. It's, it's one of those rare things where you almost forget about the plot of like, oh yeah, Nelson is mad at Skinner from... 10 minutes ago when he got in trouble and had to give back all of his stolen stuff. And uh, that's why they're finally going to get revenge. But he he says no and that he's going to do it. I also, oh yeah, and that Lisa's like threat is so great too. Like, ooh, you guys are going to be sorry. Sorry you hurt the feelings. <laughs> that's <of this> right. <laughs> she's so, she's just so confident that he has changed. He's not like that anymore. And you're just like, uh, oh. <laughs> And that, that she thinks that that's the greatest insult. Like, You'll feel bad. You made him feel bad. That's uh, how about that, huh? These bullies have been shown to have zero empathy, so yes. it's, it's yeah. not going to work. I had a friend in middle school. I remember when, like, the more bullier kids than us would mm. uh, make fun of us and threaten to rectify us. My friend would be like, "You're going to correct us? <laughs> oh, what? What did I say wrong?" And it would just be like, "No, they're gonna." Punch your face inside yeah. out, dude. Yeah, well, be, being a pedant about words said to you by a bully is the best you can get as a dorky kid, <laughs> as, as I recall. And I also like the specificity of Rancid Coleslaw, like... It could just be eggs, like just egg in the house. We we would have accepted it, but that feels like the kind of Oakley-Weinstein touch of yeah. like, nah, anybody can write eggs. What's a different gross thing that kids could get their and hands on? And it's from on? Krusty Burger, too. Yes. Yeah. Which, as we know, Krusty Burger, the special sauce is mayonnaise left out in the sun, so that has to be some really bad cold slaw <laughs> they're throwing that out. Then we get some of, like, classic Homer being incredibly unempathetic to Flanders. <laughs> Hadley diddly. Greetings, friend. Do you wish to look Ugh, that darn recording again. Of course it was. It's been calling all night. Just unplug the phone. Hadley diddly. Greetings, friend. Bang. Mm-hmm. I told you to unplug the phone. But it could be my mother. <laughs> Howdy, friend. Shoot. That uh. is it, Ned. If you don't unplug that phone right now, you're sleeping on the lawn. Will you two shut up? <laughs> People are trying to sleep. 
<laughs> Doesn't he say it again later? Yes, too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can't. When he should know it's him, because he's definitely oh. set it up to yeah. call Flanders over and over again all night. He's like forgotten that he's tried to screw him in yeah, that way. He, you know what? I didn't even read it like that. He definitely it wasn't an accident. It turned on to redial. He did it in his probably just <laughs> forgotten because yeah. he went to bed. <laughs> he forgot about his own prank. <laughs> oh, and just poor, poor, well-meaning Flanders. He just can't not answer the phone. Someone. Calling him, and what if his? What if it was his mother? Yeah, I mean, Grandma Flanders is still alive. Hopefully, yeah, she's the one who needs help with her thumbs. Yes, that's right. No, her psalms. Oh, psalms. help me with my psalms. That's right. <laughs> And uh, we get to the attack at Skinner's place where I feel like they kind of, you remember in the season six deleted scenes, there was a Skinner having night terrors of flashbacks to Nob. <laughs> I think it was season five's uh, Boy Who Knew Too oh, Much. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Five, yeah. And it's, so this feels like kind of a reprise of that joke, but a little nicer to Vietnam. Yeah. Fans. I mean, I was watching this with big headphones on and the impact that coleslaw has when it hits, it's just like, it's, it's really, really loud. <laughs> I think I got the clip of that. Who's out there? <laughs> Give me your names so I can tell the police. Seymour! What's going on? What's that odor? Go back to bed, mother. I've got it under control. Listen, you crumbums, if you think I'm impressed, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I. Oh, brandishing your buttocks is only getting me angrier. I want to see what's going on. No, mother, don't look out the window! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god great so, scream Tress with a great scream there with how much uh, cartoons have cracked down on visible butts over the years uh, I feel like this is downright pornographic for for butts they talk on the uh, the commentary they say we wouldn't have been able to do this now yeah yeah like I, I bring this up a lot uh, because of the, the strange rules of the post Janet Jackson Super Bowl uh, rules about you know what you can and can't show on TV a lot of crackdowns happened and I remember watching American Dad like I don't know, maybe a decade ago, and there was a there was a butt crack or a naked butt of uh, the main character, but they blur it out. So just like <laughs> if you want to see this curvy line, you need to buy the DVDs, everybody. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, I get it with like younger skewing show, but this is on in prime time. Yeah, I, I've gotten naked butts on TV twice. Yeah, that's true. Wait, yeah, in the with Sunday Steven, Sunday, in Sunday clothes and yeah. oh, Sunday yeah. clothes. JP is naked, but he's got mm-hmm. mud on his butt, so mm-hmm. it's kind of covered, but you can see the shape. And mm-hmm. then and um, uh, Frybo. From season one of Steven Universe, Steven That's, gets uh, pretty naked. I don't yeah. know if you can go too in depth in this, but are there like butt uh, standards and practices? Are is there like like a uh, list there's of a rules whole, about butts? There's a whole butts? department. It's about ten people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, no, there, there's no specific uh, rules about butt. I think it's generally like you. you you know it when you see it, when you've yeah. gone too far with it. Yeah, we're not looking to expose children to tons of nudity, but sometimes it's super funny. To no do one, it. no one's on trial here, by the way. But Henry and I were talking uh, maybe last night. Just like the '90s cartoons, just had so many butts in them. Like yeah. Ren and Stimpy would just have just uh, well, very well rendered butts when they needed to, and you would always. And Dexter's Lab would have Dexter's butt in it a lot. Yeah, like almost every episode, he'd have his butt. Yeah. One of the funniest scenes in Dexter, I think, to me, is in the Man Dark, the first mandark episode when he's so excited to go to his first day of school for the year and he's just dancing in the shower <laughs> it's just such, and then the callback to that after his second day of school where everything's gone wrong he's just standing sad in the shower in just the same position and it just seems like sometimes you can show it sometimes you can't it's it's weird. i was just looking at a butt today we had someone clenching <laughs> we had someone clenching their butt and we had a big conversation about um what the fo- how the folds of the fabric should look if when he clenches his butt should the fabric be pulled in or is <laughs> he 
clenching his butt, <laughs> making it smaller, causing the fabric of the pants to sag slightly. Wait, so it was a big thing. We landed on a, he pinches the fabric in with his cheeks. In, in Craig of the Creek, where is the place where they play Bring Out Your Beast? Um, the splintery butt, okay. which is just a bunch uh, of splintery yeah. so, uh, tables. That is a well-rendered butt, but it's made of wood, so maybe you can get away with it yes. then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, that also reminds me of a funny drawn butt I saw on Twitter, which was from uh, this new Disney show, Big City Greens, mm-hmm. and... There's a scene, it's a clothed butt, but some some guy is like leaning over and his butt scrapes against somebody's car window and it's just somebody on the inside of the window going like, ah! <laughs> this is our plea to the public. Butts are funny. Let's just have more butts and things. Thank you. Uh, Good night. Yeah, and you know, that scene also felt like a real callback to steamed hams because it's, yeah. it's Skinner telling Agnes It's just the Northern not- Lights, mother. <laughs> and Sorry. Then, and then Tress screaming horribly oh. as Agnes as well. Just like, no, 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 don't look, don't look. Uh, And then the cops arrive. And it's also funny, though, that Skinner, they have to show Skinner, Skinner has to say out loud, I can't see you, because from the way the lighting works in the animation, it's like, well, they sure look visible. Like, if you can make out their butts, you can't make out their faces. (laughs) And also, if it's four boys, I think he'd be pretty safe in assuming it's Jimbo, Dolph, Kearney, and Nelson. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, I mean, uh, Skinner isn't always the smartest when it comes to that stuff. So they go on the run, and uh, then we also get another hilarious Homer at the window scene. (laughs) Lisa! Cops are chasing me. I need a place to hide. Lisa's window is the next one. <laughs> there we go. Ned, did you plug that phone back in? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> and I wasn't even there. Honest. Skinner's just out to get me. That's so unfair. Uh-oh. Meet me at the back door. And uh, I also like that Homer's so sleepy he doesn't care that a fugitive is trying to find his daughter <laughs> in the middle the, of the night. The cops are after me, yeah. Nelson <laughs> didn't need to give him that much information. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also him just straight up lying and saying he's innocent when the viewer knows he's lying, too. Like, no, you did this. Like, And uh, I, I also had that with bad kid friends of mine who just like, this cops just had to give him in. These cops are so are the the security guard at the mall. They're such jerks, man. It's like you, when later you find out well, that's because you stole something. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> or if you had friends who like never did their homework or never studied, that teacher hates me. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's always a conspiracy, man. <laughs> conspiracy. It's a dark joke that Wiggum might have shot a child. Yeah, <laughs> but it is so great that they go from like I'll see you at the back door to then Wiggum busting into the house and brandishing his gun. I forgot that was the mislead because. Because I, ju- I know what happens, and I wonder what I thought the first time I watched this. Aha! I had a feeling we'd find you here. Chief, no! Hmm. What'd you do that for? <laughs> well, that thing's been driving the whole town nuts. Got me out of the bath seven times. Seven! Hey, who shot the auto dialer? Marge's auto dialer. Oh. See you in court, Simpson. Oh, and uh, bring that evidence with you. Otherwise, I got no case, and... You'll go scot-free, you know. Uh, Chief, what about those coleslaw punks? Well, I I can't be everywhere at once, Lou, now can I? You know, in most cities, the chief of police doesn't even go out on calls like these. Yeah, yeah, we know, Chief. Oh, we appreciate it. Count our blessings every day. Very, very appreciative. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boy, like, Wiggum, uh, I, I do enjoy how they finally address why Wiggum is always out on patrol. He's just very hands-on. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> despite how bad he is, and despite how seemingly lazy he is most of the other times we see him. I think, you know, in C, Season two, 
like say in Bart versus Thanksgiving, they still seem to have like an internal rule of, well, if the cops have to come to the Simpsons home, it's not going to be the chief of police we see in other scenes. It'll it'll just be Eddie and Lou. Yeah. But I think they realize like, it's just funnier if Wiggum's there. Wiggum needs to be there on every, anything the police would be there for, Wiggum is there. I think by the time we get to Homer alone, Wiggum is the one who brings Maggie back to Homer. That's And that's right. like really where, I'm sure there's past instances, but that's the first one I can think of where it's just Wiggum mm-hmm. and he doesn't need to be there there and yeah also it's it's pretty irresponsible of Wiggum to just still even if it was for the auto dialer just shooting his gun like <laughs> three times in a house and and also the the meanness of homer going like the marge's yeah auto-dialer. Hey, that's a that's a jerk ass move yep <laughs> to yep. immediately sell marge out to the cops <laughs> this is some jerk ass homer in this it, he definitely we're getting a lot more of him they're getting more comfortable with him being a jerk ass <laughs> and then we go to back to the observatory and the early morning vibe to this is really good too like coloring it's coloring you don't normally see on the show mm-hmm. i i like it a like gradients which back then they didn't have computers to do gradients they had to use an airbrush in some cases i believe yeah and uh we get uh we get nelson and lisa looking down on the town wait till he finds what i left in his bird bath (laughs) (laughs) i thought you weren't there huh oh yeah uh i guess i was you lied to me there you did it again all right, all right, I lied. I'm sorry. Let's kiss. No, <laughs> you don't understand, Nelson. A kiss doesn't mean anything if it's dishonest. Um, there's a niceness to it. <laughs> I was foolish to think I'd actually changed you. Maybe I was seeing things in you that weren't really there. Definitely. <laughs> then why did you want to be with me? Mm-hmm. Maybe because you were the first person that ever thought there was a nice guy inside me? Hmm. Well... Guess you really blew that one, huh? (laughs) Well, I guess this is it. You mean, like, goodbye? Let's just call it smell you later Oh, Lisa yeah. handles this very well, mm-hmm. being as mature as she is. Yeah, and I'm. I think it's good for Lisa that she learned this lesson so young. Of just like, oh no, I can. I saw something that wasn't there. I can't fix you. Like you know, in some relationships, one lie just begets others. But she realized, like, no, you're a liar. Like you, you lied to my face. I'm not. I'm not sticking around here. And I also really like the sound. It's such a well picked chosen sound of when it, the uh, the glasses run out of money. Just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, I assume he pooped in his oh, bird feet. For sure, yeah, for yeah, sure. It has to be poop. He, he, he must have done it before the coleslaw attack. Yeah. So yeah. he just snuck around back, took a poop, and then said, all right. <laughs> it's like, we got to get this out of the way first, guys. Then, then Attacking on both it. fronts. <laughs> and that was just another great Skinner. No! I have to wonder if they cropped that out of uh, Bart's Comet. It was very similar. Yeah. I wouldn't blame them. That's a, that's a really good no. <laughs> and uh, they could have ended it on Lisa's like thoughtful walk home, but I kind of like that they ended it on a joke, too. Mm-hmm. Hi, Lisa. Could I talk to you, or will that just make Nelson wail on me again? Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Nelson and I don't like each other anymore. <gasps> really? You got anybody in mind for your next crush? <laughs> well, I'm really not thinking about that now. I suppose it could be almost anybody. Yes! Great freeze frame. So, <laughs> poor uh, dog. Yeah, Nelson, the, uh, sorry, the first appearance of Milhouse's uh, Shih Tzu, which is always a fun dog uh, breed name to say, later to be replaced by a stuffed animal Shih Tzu named Puppy Goo Goo. 
Oh, wow. Oh, so, I remember that now. Yeah. yeah, and I thought this thing's name was Puppy Goo Goo, but Puppy Goo Goo was the, the stuffed animal they gave him to sort of, you know, give him a, like a very effeminate uh, accessory. So, <laughs> I mean, this dog already is an emasculating dog. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I looked on the wiki, uh, and uh, this dog has no name. It's just called Milhouse's Shih Tzu. Mm. So, yes. It's, it's a cute dog, and I've seen, I've seen tattoos of that pose. Like, that is a great pose. You know, the fault is on Milhouse here, too, of just like, Lisa's made her disinterest very clear, but he's, he's looking for any breadcrumb there. He's like, yeah. well, if it's almost anyone... That could be me. I think this is a good uh, takedown of the friend zone or of a good mm-hmm. look at like uh, Millhouse's. This is all delusion, you yes. know, just the, the, the tiniest fiber of hope is all he needs to sustain himself. Sorry. Yeah, it's such, it's such a reminder of moments from my own long ago <laughs> youth of just being like that elementary. That this episode is so great of this like elementary school love of just like, well, uh, I'm. I want to be your girlfriend. Okay. Well, I guess I'm your boyfriend. Yeah. Well, like, well what, what? So what are we supposed to do about it? And then uh, just nothing really happens. And then a week later, it's like, yeah, we broke up. And you're. And then you're like, yes. Now it's my turn. And it's just like, no, it's not gonna be your turn. You're sort of just emulating what you see on TV, but you can't actually yeah. go anywhere yeah. or do anything physical. Thank God. So yeah. uh, it's all just like kind of playing pretend in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute in a way. Well, that's how. I like that this stays in the cute zone of just like a crush and just that that's that's all they refer to it to. Though obviously you can extrapolate it to grown-up relationships too. Like if you had aged them up and this was like an episode of Friends or whatever, it would have worked the same, these relationship dynamics on a regular sitcom. Except you're not supposed to root for Millhouse. <laughs> yeah. No, like no. you're supposed to root for... Chandler? Schwimmer. Uh, Schwimmer. Ross. Ross. Yeah, Ross, Ross, yeah. Ross. Ross is the Millhouse. Yeah, yeah. boy. Both, uh, <laughs> both he's, he's, he's handsome in an ugly way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> As Homer would say. Uh, we have one last bit here though of the uh, over the credits. A real funny gag. This is Homer Simpson, a.k.a. Happy Dude. The court has ordered me to call every person in town to apologize for my telemarketing scam. (laughs) I'm sorry. If you can find it in your heart to forgive me, send $1 to Sorry Dude, 742 Evergreen Terrace, Springfield. You have the power. I'm glad they had time uh, over the credits to resolve that. In an era where you could still have a scene play over the credits. Yeah, though now they do still, they do some scene playing over credit stuff. I think just because, like, they have to have four acts now on the show for, yeah. for ad purposes. I really dislike that because, like, the three-act structure... It's a pacing problem, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, three-act structure is just, like, the definitive structure of storytelling mm-hmm. in this format. And I, I just, it just feels so wrong to me. One of the first four-act ones I watched was, because uh, I was... I, tune in and out of it but they did one of their you know non-treehouse story ones it was just them reenacting stories from popular fiction and when they do three and then they come back from the commercial break lisa's like well hey can we hear another story marge like i normally just tell three stories (laughs) but okay well matt as someone who makes uh, 11 minute cartoons how does the act structure work in something like an episode of craig of the creek do you adhere to something like that where you know the rising falling action like how does that work exactly we uh we're we we stick pretty strict to like a three-act structure um you know things the length of the acts often change depending on the nature of the episode but yeah like when we're writing 
uh, we, you know, it's a storyboard-driven show, like so many of Cartoon Network shows. So we're uh, writing up to an outline, and then we're giving it over to a team of storyboard artists who will then do the boards, the drawings, and do all the, the dialogue and stuff. And we all work together and collaborate okay. to take it from there. But the outline is written, is broken into three acts. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. I was curious as to how mm-hmm. that how that adheres to something in a much shorter format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although although it is always like it's three acts, but it re- it it does kind of you do think of it in four parts because we're always your first act is setting it up, the second act is usually trying to do something and then we always the as we found early on writing on Steven because that was our first experience uh, working in 11 minute cartoons like having one thing for the second act to get you to a, a climactic third act is never enough so we always have to have like a turn mm. in the middle there's like some early Steven episodes like a uh, serious Steven was one in particular that I remember. It's like the second act was like, oh, and then they'll just uh, they'll just have some problems. That they, they go through a dungeon and essentially like, oh, the whole second act will be them just running into traps in the dungeon. But mm. it sort of was like, oh, that's kind of only one thing to stretch out what's the bulk of the episode. So w- from that we learned like it's really about you set up a problem, you have them try and solve the problem for the first half of the second act, and then uh, something complicates it or they un- the best thing is like they unexpectedly solve it and then you're off to a, a, a new thing. Sam Simon and I remember was once I heard him once on a podcast talking about how like they got in a, some of the voice actors on The Simpsons that were just like random crowd extras were trying to they like filed a complaint with the union because they were like oh, we feel like our voices got used in it for multiple episodes because when we did this script like there's no way that the story we were doing the background crowd noises in in the first <laughs> act is the same story that's in the third uh. act and it was like no it is the same episode it just like especially that classic first act Simpsons structure where it's yeah. almost completely unrelated to then spin off into this other wow. thing yeah. it's like you really want to move the story so super far you just want to keep it moving man i forgot that story. that's like speaking of super far stories that was something with steven universe like uh some stuff that like you guys were planning at the very earliest stage of this show finally happened now like mm-hmm. how do you keep that kind of stuff like secret for that long or or, um, or wait for it like that i just i don't know it's so weird because it's so it's it we knew it was secret from fans but within the uh building it was just like it was so weirdly just like common knowledge you like work with like you know dozens of people who are just in on this and we're just mm-hmm. kind of like uh, yeah it's just strange that we've talked about it it's weird sometimes when you're out at lunch and you kind of are like um we'll talk about this story back at the office just you just never know um but yeah i don't know it was just it was was something we carried for so long and uh now that people know uh, a lot of the the stuff we'd been holding on to for years that's been super satisfying it's like it, it, it has made made me realize like what a big deal it is that we <laughs> were able to kind of carry these threads for so long yeah things get spoiled all the time these days in, in so many things so it was really it was like a kind of a gasp moment for me when i saw i don't want to spoil it for any listeners <laughs> current with steven yet but yeah that was uh th- that was amazing that i i just i was just impressed how well you it, it had been kept by a secret by the entire staff for that long yeah and it, it it was it was i mean i think everyone who has worked on it, it when those episodes came out had such a very strong emotional reaction to it because not to be like oh we made we're, we're, we made the best show ever because it's not that but like watching people react I'll say it to, is, it is <laughs> thank, thank you uh just just 
it's so cathartic to like been like this is like that's like my career like you know I've been working for a while but really like Steven is where I feel like I really uh, like animation and being an artist is such a struggle to break in and then um, I had a job on Level Up which was awesome but then Steven was just like okay like I'm here this is my job and it's lasting for a long time it's something I'm really proud of and then to see it pay off like that is just like oh it was just like so I watched like I'll admit like I watched like a bunch of like YouTube reaction videos <laughs> and it was great and they all followed the exact same beats like the, the, the last scenes of those episodes like they everyone reacts the exact same way and it's just like it's it's so it's like oh man people are machines and we were able to program them (laughs) exactly like it's crazy like everyone reacted exactly the way we intended it was it was was awesome that's interesting like i kind of roll my eyes at those reaction videos but then i never thought like what if someone was reacting to something i made or i was part of i guess that would change the entire thing it's pretty they're 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 goofy but they're i feel like they've they become such a thing that it like certainly people are playing to the camera, but sometimes right, you get right. kind of the unexpected. Like there was one I was watching with two guys, and one guy was really into it, and the other guy I was like, "Why is he? Is this just this dude's like cousin who he's making <laughs> watch the show?" And then uh, there was like the big reveal, mm-hmm. and that that dude just the only thing he ever did in this whole video was sit up a little bit and go, "Oh." <laughs> and I was like, we got him. Mostly, we got him. mostly, I'm jealous. Like, I have never been this excited. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was even a Stephen Short that was kind of a parody of those reaction mm-hmm, videos. Mm-hmm. Well, it was just Stephen reacting to crying breakfast friends. Yeah. I believe it was. It was really cute. I well, okay. I guess in in the end, what did you think as somebody who is an adult writing kids? What did you think of how kids they they handled writing a kid centric story in this uh, this Simpsons? I think it was great. I think that like the key to writing for kids, uh, I think is just like ne- you're never writing for them because I think that that's when you get into just like bad kids TV and you're recycling the same kind of hack jokes that you think like oh kids laugh at like but n- not to decry butts because we certainly <laughs> put our share of butts uh, in Craig of the Creek, but just be like ah if we say butts like kids will laugh like we're always trying to everyone who makes these cartoons are adults and the best cartoons for kids are the ones where the people making it are really trying to entertain themselves because we're not we're in animation we're not the most emotionally mature people in the world so we still have a little bit of childish uh, humor to us but we're still just trying to be like well what is funny to us what is what is funny to us and really trust our younger audience to get it or if they don't get it be like i want to get that because that's like something kids always want to look up to the next step above them. You know, like when you're in elementary school, you're looking up to like middle school kids and high schoolers are looking up to adults. So we're just trying to, kids want to keep up with something if they can't get it. And usually they do get it, but when they don't like... You know, it, they, it it creates something they want to ex, uh, yeah. invest more in. I can say, like, uh, I remember as a kid, I enjoyed things like The Simpsons and Batman the Animated Series and Ren and Stimpy and shows like that because I felt like they weren't talking down to me yeah. and like it was it was ostensibly for somebody older. I was like, wow, I'm I'm getting away with watching this mm. and boy, <laughs> I'm so I, mature yeah. watching this thing. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It's so risque, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I want to go over final thoughts about this episode. I, I do enjoy it. The one thing I think is is lacking is we don't see enough of Nelson and Lisa as a couple because the kiss ends Act Two and Act Three. Nelson goes away, and I, I really wish they would have explored more of what Nelson and Lisa as a couple is like. We see a little bit of that with them in each other's houses, but I feel like I really wanted to see that dynamic a little bit more. But otherwise, I enjoy this episode. Uh, I could you could just get rid of the B plot; it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like it makes me 
smirk, but it's not the best B plot. But I do enjoy this overall as a Lisa story. It's one of the first B plots we've gotten in a long time in, yeah. in the episodes we've been doing in chronological order, and it's and it's funny, but it it is like we I think we talked about it before how at the same time as Seinfeld was huge and everybody's loving Seinfeld, and Seinfeld was famous for like A B C D and E plots in there, all shows. intersecting at the end, all mm-hmm. intersecting at the end. Simpsons, especially this time, was going away for that. They're like, this is just one story about Homer's journey or divorce or any of this stuff. But this is kind of a throwback to older Simpsons with that. And I, though I do like that there's some where the B and A never intersect. In this one, they at least smash together in a shootout at the <laughs> yeah. end. Yeah. So. With a lot of the, we said this before, a lot of the Algene Micries three and four, the B plots are so isolated. I forget where they are, like, mm-hmm. like where the Bart uh, crying wolf ends up and things like that. Just like there are so many that are just isolated in a vacuum. They could go anywhere. But I, I also feel like with Lisa episodes, they're also self-conscious about, you know, what if people get bored? Lisa is not the most mm. exciting character. So we need Captain Wacky to show up mm. and wacky it up. And I think the writers <laughs> would even admit that. I think like yeah. Homer, a little dash of Homer and Lisa's story is always helpful to keep everybody on board with the show. Uh, Matt, how did you feel in the end about this episode watching it again? I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, the B plot is, you know, it can certainly be jettisoned. It's funny, like working in an 11 minute format myself, like we never have time for B plots. Like, yeah. it's like <laughs> a whole, uh, that kind of Homer stuff would be jettisoned right away because we're just like there's no time for it mm-hmm. and so in a way it's like it's like it's not my favorite thing but i'm also kind of like oh that's fun that <laughs> they got to do a second story in, a, in an episode of their television show it's like a two, <laughs> twofer um yeah i just really enjoyed it lisa is like one of my favorite characters lisa the iconoclast is probably my all-time favorite episode oh, great that's a great one and um i mean I, that's why it's like ooh, it's like so close in this episode it's like it's got lisa it's got homer their relationship I, I, you know i have i have two young daughters and like their relationship even before i had kids was always so special to me that when they dug into the heart of it and how Homer kind of knows that Lisa is his better, but he's mm-hmm. still like, I, you know, I want to be a part of your life even though, like, Aww. you have no reason to kind of want me to hang around in it. And I just love that. And this episode is like, oh, they're both there, but they're on completely different tracks. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's a fun episode. And, yeah, it's like Nelson, I think, uh, was part of that CD element of The Simpsons when I was a kid where I was like, this is why my mom doesn't want me to watch it. It's got bad kids in it. He's going to start wearing a vest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, watching it now, it's a, it's a great episode. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Tell everybody again what you work on, where they can find it. Again, we told we are way into the show. It's so mm-hmm. great. Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, am working on Craig of the Creek right now with my partner Ben Levin. There's going to be more and more episodes coming in the future. Um, I don't know exactly when, but you can always find it. It's airing on Cartoon Network television intermittently, and you can always find it on the uh, CN app and on their website and stuff. And uh, I also, uh, even though I left the show a while ago, uh, there's still stuff on Steven Universe that I worked on, and uh, that is all going to be coming soon. I imagine it will be announced kind of shortly what they're going to be doing. So, And I had a hand in all of that. So, yeah. Mm. Are you on Twitter or any Uh, kind of social media Yeah, I am on Twitter. I'm a a Matt underscore 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 Burnett. Okay. I know there's another (laughs) Matt Burnett that uh, made my Google search hard to do. Oh, there's another Bob Mackey, too. He's the bane of my existence. There's a Christian Christian singer who has, like, a a webpage set up. (laughs) I think he's sitting on, like, MattBurnett.com or something. (laughs) That stinks. (laughs) But, yeah, I I love the show, too. I mean, um, the, the Beast one, bring out the Beast, the magic card stuff was just so cool to see, especially 
really I love the grounded stuff in that too of like the the idea of like a kid taking his brother's magic cards and losing them like that that happened to me or those mm. things those type of things happened to me of like for me it was like X-Men trading cards it's <laughs> just like my brother wanted to borrow them and then of course like he was seven of course he lost them like yeah I think yeah Craig is like Craig is very specific, not just to Ben and I, but to uh, all of the crew that we've assembled. We're really a collaborative environment, which was the way it was on Steven. We're taking inspiration from Rebecca and really just inviting everyone to kind of share their childhood experiences and put a little bit of themselves in it. And then I think that's the strength of the show is that it is so specific and that we want kids to be able to see themselves and see their memories or the things that they're doing right now. We want them to see that in the show. And yeah, the, the specifics of playing a trading card game, which were a huge part of my youth and they're still a part of my life. Um, yeah, that Bring Out Your Beast episode was very special. Awesome. So yes, check out Craig of the Creek, everybody. It's great. Uh, as for us, you can find us. So our show is entirely supported by Patreon. We have a lot of bonus stuff that is exclusive to Patreon. You can only hear it if you're one of our patrons. So if you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and give it the $5 level, that's $5 a month, you can listen to things like Talking Critic. We go through the entire two seasons of The Critic. Talking Futurama, we go through the entire first season of Futurama, all 13 episodes, and all all of our mini-series will be exclusive to Patreon. We also have stuff like interviews with Simpsons legendaries like Mike Reese and David Silverman and Bill Oakley. And we also have uh, things like season wrap-up. We go over the deleted scenes from seasons five and onwards. And just so much more happening at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Anything else I'm missing, Henry? Uh, well, and yeah, Talking Critic and Talking Futurama as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Our side shows. Yep. Uh, so as for me, you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast is Retronauts. You can find that at retronauts.com. Or look for Retronauts in your podcast device. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing it for a long time, so I recommend you look it up and you find a topic that you like and check it out, and I think you might like it. Uh, Henry, how about you? I'm at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, and you can see me on Twitter talking about when we have new episodes of This Up and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we go through a different cartoon each week, and also reactions to Steven Universe and Craig of the Creek and all that too. <laughs> uh, so follow me there. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for Hurricane Nettie. infotainment.